I don't know about special. Different maybe. Different maybe. <laughs> God is good. I was I was thinking if you need an, an announcement to be made, just get Gordon to do it. Everyone will hear it. <laughs> if you want want to someone to declare something down the street, get Gordon along. He'll he's got a loud voice. <laughs> you should have been in the old days, you know. Hear ye, hear ye, you reckon about Yeah, town crier. Yeah. <laughs> well, good good morning to you all. Great to see you. You're looking beautiful. Everyone's looking awesome. Isn't that good? <laughs> Are you sure I was including you, Gordon? Ah, <laughs> oh, they good. Yes, Gordon, you're very smart in your suit. <laughs> I'll get out of that. Gordon's he's he's really good to me because he he takes my bag and puts it up here and puts it in the car after and so it's pretty good. I have to treat him nicely. It's all right, Gordon. You don't have to go away. <laughs> okay. Well. My message is, your miracle is within reach. Who needs a miracle? We all need miracles. Yeah, always, I, I would love miracles. I want miracles um, every day. Why not? God's a miracle-working God, and he can do anything. Nothing is too hard for him. Not one thing is too hard for God. And if you need a miracle, God's your man, okay? He's the one. He's a God of miracles, and as his children, we are destined to experience the miraculous. It's our destiny as children of God. We should be copying our Father. So God's timing and our timing are two, sometimes two very different things. And God, of course, he sees the end from the beginning. And that's a big advantage when you can see the end from the begin, beginning. Hey, he even knew you and he knew me, even before we were in our mother's womb. It says, in him, in God, we lived and moved and had our being. We were little spirit beings inside of God. We are eternal. We didn't just happen at conception. Your little spirit was inside God, living in there with all the millions and millions and millions of other little spirits that have been to the earth and gone back home or whatever. But um, it says in uh, he, Ephesians 1.4, he knew us before the foundation of the earth. He knew us before that time. See, God cho- chose us to be holy, without blame, and to be his sons and daughters. And there is an appointed time for all things. So we need to be careful not to measure things by our timetables or we'll miss out. There is an appointed time to meet people who will impact our lives. And there was one man that impacted my life, and Jesus Christ, but also my husband, who's already in heaven. And uh, he impacted my life. When I met him, he impacted my life. And uh, yes, yeah, he probably impacted your life too, Richard. <laughs> he impacted many lives in this place here, didn't he? Uh, I tell you what, he had a great sense of humour too. You had to understand it. People, he would say something outrageous and just have a very serious face, wouldn't he? And um, that's what I loved about him. Sometimes I'd be embarrassed, I was trying to think. <laughs> but anyway, so there is an appointed time that for us to meet people or 
who are going to impact our lives, for certain doors of opportunity to open, for visions to come to pass, for answers to prayer. There's always an, op- always an appointed time. Just as there was an appointed time when, for Moses to lead Israel out of Egypt, there was an appointed time. There was an appointed time when Jesus came to this earth and into this world. So too often we miss the miracles because we have no patience or long-suffering. We need to have patience. We need to have long-suffering. You look at Abraham. You know, God had promised him a son when he was 75 years old. And he thought, well, maybe I might just make it, 75 years old. But time went by. And when he got to 100, you know, it's, you're still pushing your luck there, going to have a son. But anyway, it was God's appointed time. When he was 100, he had a son, of Isaac, son of promise. And uh, God said, he said in Genesis 12, 1 to 3, he said um, he would make Abraham a great nation. And so he had to be patient for all those 25 years. Is that right, 25? Yes, 25 years waiting for that promise to come to pass. And it did. It came to pass. And um, so, but he, you know, he still, 25 years, he still had no son. And so God reiterated his promise in Genesis 15, verse 4 and 5. He says, he brought Abraham outside and he said, look at the sky. This is at night time. Look now towards heaven, he said, and count the stars if you're able to number them. Well, I've never been able to count all the stars, have you? No. And there's stars there that with the natural eye we can't even see. And God said to him, so shall your descendants be. And it says in Genesis 5 and verse 6, he said, and he, being Abraham, believed in the Lord. He got a vision of it. He believed in the Lord and God accounted it to him for righteousness. So now Abraham, he went really well for a while, believed for a while, then thought he would help God out. You know, sometimes we like to help God out. <laughs> and he had a son through Sarah, his wife's maidservant. At the prompting of Sarah, I might say, his wife, she prompted that. I can't imagine prompting that, but anyway, <laughs> some people are strange. <laughs> And you know that stuffed things up in the Middle East? That was the, you know, there's a war, yeah, between Ishmael's descendants and Isaac's descendants. And uh, 24 years after God spoke originally to him, he spoke again in Genesis 17:5, and he said, he's changing his name to Abraham. He said, I have made you a father of many nations. He was Abram, now he, God called him Abraham. And that means I have made you a father of many nations. So before we receive the promise of God or a miracle, we need to change our words. See, he had to change his words. When he was, every time he heard Abraham or every time he, if he mentioned his name, he would be saying, I'm a father of many nations. He was getting that word, that vision inside of him. So God made sure Abraham was calling something that didn't exist as though it did. He had no son. He did have Ishmael by the other one, by the uh, maiden, handmaiden. And, uh, but he had to call in, I'm going to be the father of many nations. And to, to see the fulfillment of God's promises in our lives, we need to check out our words. Our words set the boundaries to our faith. Our faith will never rise above our confession. 
What are you speaking? Look at it carefully. Think about it. Think about what you're saying. See, so many people just blurt things out and they're not realising there's power in our words, total power. They create. Words create what you're saying. You know, we're made in the likeness of God. God spoke and it was. And we create things in our own lives by what we say. I've been along that track many a time with here. So when the promises seem to be taking too long, when the appointed time doesn't look like it's coming, faith wavers and our words start reflecting the doubts in our heart. Never give up. Tell you what, if God's put something on your heart, hold on to it, start speaking it out, talk about it, speak it out. But as soon as we start doubting and start speaking our doubts, we cut ourselves off from the answer and from our miracle. God's timing always has a purpose. God's timing for Abraham to have a son had a purpose. We, we used to sing a song many years ago, he's never early and he's never late. God's never early <laughs> and he's never late. And if we trust God, then that's absolutely true. He's never early, he's never late, he's always on time. May not be your time, by your timetable, but he's going to be there on t- in time. Absolutely. You might think God would, could hurry things up for Abraham so he wouldn't make a mistake. But no, God had set his time. And as Solomon says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, to everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. So faith is always now, now, but answers usually come later. You know, we know the scripture so well, Hebrews 11, 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. Faith always gives substance to the things we hope for. Faith is the evidence we have something that we can't see or we can't touch yet. Abraham did operate in faith, even though he fell into unbelief a few times. But he was operating in faith. It says in Romans 4, in verse 19 and 20, it says, And not being weak in faith, he, being Abraham, did not consider his own body, already dead, since he was about 100 years old, nor the deadness of Sarah's womb, who was 90. Uh, He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being able, being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was able to perform. And that's what we need need to get to. We need to get to that place. Be fully convinced that what he has promised, he is able to do. He's able to perform it if we will take a hold of it and we will start speaking it. So Abraham, he knew God would fulfill what he had promised, that he would be a father. He knew that. But what Abraham didn't understand was God's timing. And yet God expected Abraham to prepare himself for the miracle. He had to change his name, as I said, from Abram to Abraham, father of many nations. And he had to be speaking that promise out. And when you hear yourself speaking the promises of God, something happens. Faith comes. Remember that scripture? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, because Abraham didn't understand God's timing at first, he didn't allow patience to undergird his faith, and he slipped into unbelief for a while. 
we may ask ourselves, why does God make it so difficult? <laughs> yes, Lord, why? Why can't I have my answer now? We all want it now, don't we? I, I would like everything now. Because God, he is perfecting our faith. If we got everything, oh God, I want, you know, I pray for this and get it immediately, your faith will never grow. There will, you know, be like a little, little kid who can't wait, you know, and, is, and uh, you know, wants something. It has to be now. If not, you're going to have a real patty, whatever. But, you know, and believers like that, we get sick of God. Oh, God, you never hear me. You don't answer me. You know, and have a patty about it and get angry at God. You know, we have no course, no reason to be angry at God because he loves us, he cares for us, and he has the best ready for us. Absolutely. So, faith is only perfected through that time between asking and actually receiving. That's when your faith is growing. That time between asking God and then waiting until it arrives. But stay in faith all the time. It says in James 1, 2 to 4, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So we need patience. If we're going to have faith, we're going to receive what you know, we're asking God for. We need patience. And we need to count it all joy. You know, we fall into difficult times. Well, Father, yay, here's another chance to prove you're, you know, you're faithful. Here's another chance to strengthen my faith. You know, start on the little things. When something big comes your way, you'll be strong in faith to overcome it. You know, never despise the, the little things. Never despise them. It. it says in 1 Peter 1, 6-7, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes. I mean, that's how precious our faith is to God. It's more precious than gold. Um, <clears throat> Though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honour and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Yes, we do go through the fire. We go through tests. Hold on to God. He loves you. He cares for you. He has good plans for you. If you throw your trust on him, he will bring you through the fire. So in what do we greatly rejoice? It tells us there, in this you, you greatly rejoice. What is it? It's the trials of our faith. We can greatly rejoice so that our faith can be proven and strengthened. God says faith that brings you through trials is very precious, extremely valuable. And you will bring honour, it will bring honour when Jesus returns. And it will bring honour to us when Jesus returns. So faith will bring us through the trials, but faith is very precious to God. He loves it when his children believe in him by faith. That means a lot to him. And we're going to receive honour when Jesus returns. So as I say, God um, places great importance on the enduring nature of faith. We often don't. It's more important to him than our good works. It's more important than our comfort, even. It's our faith. He wants the people of faith. Abraham's faith was counted as righteousness. He had this right standing with God. It gave him 
a wonderful place, a wonderful relationship with Almighty God. So it is our faith that brings us salvation, the beginning and healing and wholeness and all the promises of our inheritance. And it is during the time between claiming the promises of God's word and receiving the actual miracle that at that moment faith is perfected. Okay? That is why we should rejoice and count it all joy. When you fall into various trials, count it all joy. When trouble comes our way, I tell you what, it will. Trouble comes our way, doesn't it? How many has never had any trouble in this? Put up your hand if you've never had any trouble. No one. No. We've all faced trouble. We've all faced trouble. Even me, I've faced lots of troubles. Absolutely. But, you know, we've got to count it all joy. We've got to count it all joy when things come our way because it's only times like that that we will develop that most holy faith. God sees it as holy. Isn't that amazing? It's faith which is precious. It's precious. It's faith that pleases God. Faith that inherits the promises. Faith is a great thing. You know, Joseph had to wait and endure for a long time before his dreams came to pass. Remember, he had all these amazing dreams, you know, um, sheaves bowing down to him and all of those amazing things. He had to wait years to see the fulfillment of that. David was anointed to be king as a young lad, but years and many trials passed before the promises were fulfilled. Each one was prepared during the interval between the promise and the fulfilment of that promise. God's preparing us. You know, he's preparing us for something mighty. I feel that. Like somebody saying, I feel it in my bones. <laughs> I feel it in my bones. He's, he's preparing us for something mighty. We will need faith and something great. God's going to do great things. Absolutely wonderful wonderful things it is wonderful okay so James 1, 2 to 4 count it all joy count it all joy when you fall into various trials knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect or mature and complete lacking nothing because you are perfecting your faith during this time of trial, there is no other way. There's no other way to perfect it. Faith is the way you have to hold on to faith when you have hard times. And during this interval of preparing or persevering faith, you must do some things. So here we are. Number one, make, pre make preparations for your miracle. If you're standing on the word for a particular area, make preparations for the answer. For example, if you are believing God for a house, you could think of lots of things, but let's just say a house. Then start looking at houses, believing God, thanking God. You know, start looking at houses, start setting aside money for your house when it comes. Whatever the promise may be, do something to put your faith into action. It says faith without corresponding actions is dead. Oh, well, when I'll get it, I'll do this. No, show God you mean business. Put actions to your faith, what you're believing God for. Put actions to your faith. 
Faith with that corresponding actions is dead. James 2.20, look it up, underline it <laughs> in your Bible. So if you believe, let's say you were called to ministry. I hope you aren't, really. It's not the easiest job. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. It's very naughty, very naughty. But just say you were called to ministry. Don't quit your job. But prepare for ministry by involving yourself in the church, in meeting the needs in the community, in sharing your faith, in studying and in prayer, and it will come to pass in God's appointed time. So if you feel you're called to be a doctor, it's like if you feel I, I have this heart for people, and you know you have a heart to be a doctor, well, of course, what are you going to do is wait for it to just appear or someone's going to say, look, will you be my doctor? Well, I, do you have qualifications? You know, he, <laughs> you have to do, take steps towards it, don't you? If, you? if you have this strong desire, believe God wants you to be a doctor, then you make plans for it. You thank him for opportunities. You thank him for open doors. But you've got to do the, the, the work. Totally. So, um, and I just want to close with three. The receiving of any miracle requires three things. Number one, persevering faith. If you want a miracle, persevere with your faith. Believe you have the answer now and be steadfast until it manifests. It may take days, may take weeks, or even sometimes years. We don't like that. But it's still, it can work. Depends. See, God's timing. God's timing. But we believe we have the answer now and we be, we're steadfast until it manifests. Number two, obedience to God. And Luke 5, 4 to 6 says this. See, to receive a miracle requires obedience to, to what is spoken, what God has spoken. In verse 4 it says, When he, Jesus, had stopped speaking, so had been speaking to the multitudes, he said to Simon, Launch out into the deep. So he had been sitting in the, the boat. He asked, could he have the boat? And, um, and that Peter and all of them, they'd been working. Anyway, he says to him, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Verse 5, but Simon answered and said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing. But he could have stopped there and just gone away, gone home, cleaned his net. Jesus wouldn't have roasted him about it or told him off. But he had something he was going to bless him with. But, um, yeah, he said, Toward all night, all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will put down the net. Good move. Good move. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and the net was breaking. And there was so much fish, they fished all night. Where did all those fish come from? Well, God's the creator. Jesus the creator. He can do anything. And they'd fished all night, not a thing. Probably a bit of seaweed and stuff, that's all. No fish. At the word of the master, he obeyed, put the nets out, got so many fish, he had to call the other boats near him, come and help, come help, pull up all this fish. And both boats started to sink. It was so, there were so many fish. So it was a miracle. That's a miracle. 
You've got to obey, you've got to work, you've got to do something. Many believers want God to bless them financially, and they're believing for financial miracles, which is good. But sometimes they aren't obedient to God's word. And because uh, we heard this morning you know, about different, what, what God does expect of his children, not saying people who aren't believers, but of his children, he says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. You know, so he believes in tithes, God does, because if we tithe, then he, we put ourselves in a position where God can abundantly bless us. Absolutely abundantly bless us. And he says, or don't give grudgingly. Don't think, oh no, oh no, they're going to take ties up now. <laughs> I used to think like that. I was raised in a, in a, a particular church. It was, um, what do you call those churches? Traditional, that's the word, traditional church. And you just sort of put some money in the thing. Anyway, but I, I used to think, oh, you know, I didn't believe in giving like that. I, I didn't know about it. Never were taught it, actually. Never were taught that if we give, it's given back to us good measure and all of that. But I remember being almost too scared to put money in it. Then when I heard the truth, how God wants to prosper his children, and we do that by giving, it was different. I thought, okay, Lord, the light's come on. There is a reason for this. <laughs> and so uh, many Many people want God to bless them financially, but we need to obey the word, and it does say bring all the tithes into the storehouse, which is your church. Or sometimes we give grudgingly, as I said, and God loves a cheerful giver. You know, I have, I'm, I'm cheerful about giving now. It's not a problem. It's not hard. It's, it's easy. It's absolutely easy. And God has met my every need. He really has. He's met my every need. So others have asked for certain needs to be met, yet even they might live in known sin. And it says in Isaiah 92, uh, 59 verse 2, it says, But your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. No, no, don't keep a clean slate with God. You know, we all sin sometimes. Some of us don't. <laughs> we all do. Come on, let's be honest. But be quick to repent. You know, just, sorry, Lord, I shouldn't have thought like that or I shouldn't have spoken that. Whatever, whatever's the thing. Get a clean slate with God. Be quick to repent. Okay. Number three, willingness, have, use, willingness to take a risk. Be willing to take a risk. You know, many back in the 80s, uh, we lived in Australia in the early 80s for four years, and uh, but we felt the call to return to New Zealand, and we were doing really well there, really, really well. So we had to take a risk. We left there for New Zealand with no job lined up, none at all. We just decided we're going back. We feel to go back. No job there. No house to go to. Nothing. And, uh, but, you know, God blessed us and we set our hand to whatever, you know, whatever we could get the word of God, where we could get the word of God out, the word of faith out to hungry believers. We just did that. But God opened an amazing job for Don as, uh, in a building because he was a qualified 
quantity surveyor at that time, and uh, very good at management. And he ended up, he was the director of a big building company at that time. And, uh, but God, so God really blessed us. We were obedient. We had, went back not knowing. We got a house. We went out looking for a house, and we went through Pukaroa Bay, <coughs> and um, we saw lots of houses. Nothing gelled. I didn't like anything. And, and I said to Don, we went past this house in Rafferty Road, and it was all bush, and beautiful bush in the driveway up, and I said, no sign. It wasn't for sale as far as we knew. And I says, if, I, if we're going to live in Pukaroa Bay, that's the house I want. Well, a few days later, we're out looking at houses that got the um, agent was taking us around. Then he said, well, I've got a house in Pukaroa Bay I could show you. And he pulls up outside this house, and I look at Don, I thought, this will be it. <laughs> and it was. That was our house for 20, we lived there for 20 years, raised the kids, loved that place, eh, Lisa? It was a beautiful place and um, beautiful property. See, God's so good. When you obey, he will provide. Obey him and he will provide. You know, sometimes we, we have to overcome the screws of our flesh and step out and just take a risk to receive a miracle from God. Sometimes it may mean saying yes instead of no. So don't have impossibility thinking. Nothing is impossible to you. You're a son and a daughter of the Most High God. You are mighty. You've got the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. You're born of God. Amen? So never underestimate the power that's on, in, on the inside of you at all. So don't just see the problems, don't see the obstacles, the lack of money and all of these things that could go wrong. Don't let past failures determine your future. Remember, Peter fished all night and caught nothing. Not a thing. That could have been the end of the fishing day. Nothing. But anyway, at Jesus' word, he was willing to throw, go out again. He would be exhausted. You know, you've been all night, and this is all night out fishing. Now it's quite getting on in the day. They haven't slept yet. No sleep. And he said, oh, put your boat out for a catch. Notice he said, well, didn't say, go out and try and catch a fish. He says, put your boat out for a catch. Yeah. You're going to catch catch a catch that you just didn't dream you could ever catch. And which he did, of course, and you know the story. Yeah. So the one thing we must do is to forget about what lies behind us. Forget about what your past. Don't forget the good things, but the bad things, just your past is your past. You've got the whole future before you now. The whole future. And if you just ponder your past, your whole your life will be shaped by it. Reach forward and take hold of your future. Take hold of your miracle. God has miracles for all of us. So develop persevering faith. Faith that will persevere in the hard times and the good times. <clears throat> be obedient to God's word and his voice and be willing to take risks. <clears throat> Abraham had to leave Ur, risk leaving Ur of the Chaldees without a destination. When God called him to go out, I'm taking him to a promised place. Didn't know where, God never said. And so, you know, he packed up everything. He didn't just be like you and me with, you know, a few um, suitcases or whatever. He had servants, 
He had cattle, he had sheep, thousands. He was the wealthiest, one of the wealthiest men in all of the Middle East. I tell you what, that's wealthy. And anyway, he went and um, without any destination, he, he didn't know. He had to take a risk in sacrificing his son. Remember when God said, I want you to sacrifice your son? And, uh, and he obeyed. He took it. Remember the wood with him and took his son? He was a young lad. He wasn't a little kid. He was a young lad. And um, he, said, he said, come on, Isaac, we're going up the hill. This is the son of promise. It's just got, we've got to go up to this mountain. I'm and so Isaac's looking around saying, oh, where's the um, sacrifice? <laughs> You're it. God said, I want you to sacrifice your only son. And so it got to where he was laying on the wood. Can you imagine this? Faith. And then the angel stopped him, he says, and there was a ram caught in the bushes and they sacrificed that. But you see what God was doing he was willing to offer his son, and now God was bound to sacrifice his own son. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So what are you willing to risk for your miracle? Your comfort, your security, your plans, your jobs. <clears throat> we took a, Don and I, we took a risk and quit a high-powered job to pastor what was then a small group of people. It was hard took obedience to God and persevering faith to see a church established. So what price will you pay, pay for your miracle? A miracle is within your, within your reach. Don't let it slip through your fingers. Hold on to the truth of God's word. Stand on that word. Speak it out in the face of opposition, symptoms, circumstances until you see the fulfillment of God's promise in your life. So let's all believe for miracles. It's time for the body of Christ and nations to experience the wonders and the miracles of God. Let's put our faith out and let's start expecting that. And let's start in our family, start in this church, the miracles that God has promised this earth. They're coming. We are so close. Miracles are coming to the household of God. Miracles and to this earth. And good things are coming. They're on the way. You know, we've been, many people have been to hell and back with what we've suffered over the last few years. And, uh, but I tell you what, great things are just beyond the horizon. They're close. Don't quit now. Don't give up. Hold on to your faith. God loves you. Jesus Christ loves you. He cares for you all deeply. And he wants to bless you, prosper you, See that you are in health and all of these things. He wants your children to prosper, just like Abraham. He wanted Abraham to prosper. He wanted Isaac to prosper and all their descendants to prosper. And God wants each and every one of you to prosper. Put your faith in God. Amen? Put your faith in God. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. I thank you for each and every person here, Father. Lord, you love them. I can just feel his love for you, honestly. I can feel that love he has for each and every one of you. He loves you. You're his children. You're his kids. He cares for you. He loves you so much. It doesn't matter what's behind you. It doesn't matter. That doesn't determine your future. It doesn't determine your destiny. Just say, Lord, I'm willing. Well, yeah, well, we could say this. <laughs> okay, let's say, Lord, 
I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. I love you. I want to serve you all my life. Amen. Hallelujah.